Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing yet another episode and today is going to be part three of the discussion we've been having about Sabbath. But before we get started, let's say a word of prayer so that the Lord will be with us and give us understanding about what he would have us to do. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for everything that you do for us. Lord, we thank you for the truth of the messages in the Bible so that we can be prepared to know what is to come upon us. Help us to learn more of you. Help us to be more like you day by day and with each passing moment. Help us to prepare for the time that is soon to come upon us. Help us to tell others about it as well so that others can be saved, so that we may be saved. Help us to give up everything in the world that is wrong and evil. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you and the things of heaven. Thank you so much for giving us your son so that we might be saved. You could have easily have left us in darkness, but you sent your only son to save us from the wickedness of Satan. And we thank you for that. Help us as we go about our day and we thank you and praise you. And we ask all these things in your precious, holy, wonderful son's name. Amen. So just a little summary in case you forgot the other two parts. In number one, we learn that in the Ten Commandments, particularly the Fourth Commandment, remember the Sabbath day, was about Saturday and not Sunday. In the second part, we learn that God's law never changed and it is immutable. So we have no excuses in regarding what day should be kept. We cannot just pick and choose. And today we are going to learn why it is such a big deal and what is going to happen very soon to come upon us. And it all starts in the Bible. We are going to read in Revelation chapter 13 verses 1 through 8 first of all. And it says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Now, why did we start here? Well, first of all, to understand what the mark of the beast is, because this is what we are talking about, and it fits in, and you'll see this as we continue on. We need to understand what this beast is. We have to identify it. And here are some key points in these verses. First of all, it rises from the sea. And then it is the composite of the four beasts in Daniel chapter 7, which you can go read about. And then the dragon is given its power and authority. It then receives a deadly wound, and its deadly wound is then healed. In verses 3 and verse 7, we find out that it is a very strong political power and a very strong religious power. Both of those things in one. It is also guilty of blasphemy, claiming to be God on earth. It wars with and overcomes the saints. It rules for 42 months. And it has a mysterious number, 666. So some of these points probably ring a little bit familiar. And they should, because there is a power on this earth that fits all of these points. 
And the beast introduced in chapter 13 of Revelation is simply another name for Antichrist, which we learn in Daniel 7. And we learn that it's talking about the papacy. And the reason is because it has some very defining features, which we just mentioned. For one, it would rise from the sea. The sea or water is in prophecy refers to people or a very populated area. And you can find that in Revelation 17, verse 15. So this beast, or Antichrist, would arise the established nations of the then-known world. And the papacy arose in Western Europe. So it fits this point very well. And it would be a composite of the four beasts of Daniel chapter 7, which we can get into in another podcast. But those four beasts depict a part of the Antichrist. Because the papacy incorporates pagan beliefs and the practices from all of the four empires and she clothed them in this spiritual garb a false pretense but still continuing on with some pagan traditions and spread them to the world as christian teachings and here is one of the many supporting statements from history in a certain respect she the papacy has copied her organization from that of the roman empire and has preserved and made fruitful the philosophical intuitions of socrates plato aristotle borrowed from both barbarians and the Branstein Roman Empire, but always remains herself thoroughly digesting all elements drawn from external sources. And this point definitely fits the papacy. So, two, the beast must receive its power, the seat, and authority from the dragon. To identify the dragon, we have to go to Revelation chapter 12, where God's end-time church is pictured as a pure woman. And in that prophecy, a pure woman represents God's true people, or the church. And you can find that in Jeremiah 6 verse 2 and Isaiah 51 16 to prove that a woman represents the church. And the pure woman is portrayed as being pregnant and about to deliver. And the dragon crouches nearby, hoping to devour the baby at birth. However, when the baby is born, he evades the dragon and fulfills his mission and then ascends to heaven. Obviously, the baby is Jesus, whom Herod tried to destroy by killing all of the babies in Bethlehem, which we read in Matthew 2.16. So the dragon represents pagan Rome, of which Herod was the king at that time. The power behind Herod's plot was, of course, the devil, which you can read about in Revelation 12.7-9. through 9. And Satan acts through various governments to accomplish his ugly work, and in this case, he used pagan Rome. And you can learn all of that through history. This is very clear. You can go back in time and read it for yourself. So we need to continue on in history. So how did the papacy receive a deadly wound? Well, first of all, the deadly wound was inflicted when Napoleon's general, Alexander Berthier, entered Rome and took Pope Pius VI captive in February of 1798. Napoleon decreed that at the death of the Pope, the papacy would be discontinued. The Pope died in France in August of 1799, and half of Europe thought that without the Pope, the papacy was dead. So this point fits the prophecy of the deadly wound. See, the Roman Empire became and graduated into this pagan Rome. And there's a couple of historians that support this fact. It says the Roman Church pushed itself into the place of the Roman World Empire, of which it is the actual continuation. The Pope is Caesar's successor. The mighty Catholic Church was little more 
live in the Roman Empire baptized. Rome was transformed as well as converted. The very capital of the old empire became the capital of the Christian empire, and the office of Pontifus Maximus was continued in that of Pope. So this point fits the papacy. She is all both a capital city in power and from pagan Rome. So what about the deadly wound being healed and then the world giving homage to the beast? Well, since it's healing, it slowly but surely healed over time. The strength of the papacy once more grew. And today, as we all know, she is one of the most powerful religious political organizations influences of the world. I mean, back when America was first founded, it was to flee the papacy in the first place. And they would have never dreamed of inviting the papacy over to visit at all because they were trying to get away from that. But nowadays, we're asking the Pope to come and we greet him with parades and all of these things. And so many people think he's so amazing. And back in history, they wouldn't have done that because they were trying to flee the oppression that the papacy brought. That is how it became a great political power again. It slowly but surely rose once more. He is the most well-known person of the world. I mean, people consider him to be God on earth, and he claims that he can forgive sins, and he is the representative of Christ. So that fits the part about him being guilty of blasphemy, because nobody can forgive sins but Jesus. We don't need their intercession. We don't need to confess our sins to the Pope or the, the bishops or any of those people. We can go directly to the Lord himself and ask for forgiveness of sins because our intercessor is Jesus. That's the whole point of why he came down, to be an intercession for us so that he can go to the Father and ask for forgiveness and present his sinless life. So it would rain 42 months. This is prophetic months. A day equals a year. So this would equal to 1,260 years. And this started from 8538 and it ended in 1798 when the Pope got its deadly wound. What about the mysterious number 666? It is a number of, of a man, and Revelation 15.2 refers to the number of his name. What man do you think of when you think of the papacy? Well, naturally, we say the Pope. But what of his official name? This is what directly from the Catholic quote. The title of the Pope of Rome is Vicarious Filiae Dei, which means Vicar of the Son of God. So the numeral numbers of his name shall make up this number. So if you take these numbers and apply them to Roman numerals, they will add up to 666. And no other power in history could possibly fit these very descriptive points. Not only those points that I just mentioned, but also it talks about the power being seated on seven hills. And those seven hills are in Rome. That is literally where the Vatican is established. It is very clear in the Bible. We don't need to be left in doubt. We might have to dig deeper than the surface and do some study and research, but this is how we can know what is truth versus error. We have to be willing to dig deep in order to discover the truth, in order to be able to stand up for that truth later on. What is the authority that this beast has? The mark or the symbol of authority? Well, first let's take a look at God's sign of authority. 
which we touched on briefly. The Lord's mark or symbol and authority is the seventh day Sabbath, which is why in Ezekiel he says that he gave us his Sabbaths to be a sign between us and him. And you can read that in Ezekiel 20, 12 and Exodus 31, 17 and also Romans 4, 11. All of these verses state very clearly that is the seal of God. So a seal is involved in these three things. It gives the territory, the title, and his name. So for example, the president of the United States of America. That gives his name, the territory, and the title of what position he holds. And that's exactly what is stated in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. It states the name, the Lord, his territory, heaven and earth, and his title, which is creator. These three components compromise what is known as a seal and lend authority to the law. And the Ten Commandments gain their validity only from the royal seal of the creator God, embodied in the Sabbath commandment. In ancient times, kings were required to ratify decrees or commands with the royal seal, and they would place hot wax on a piece of parchment and stamp their ring in it. And without the royal seal, no law would be valid. Moreover, even with a royal seal, a law is only valid in the area of the king's jurisdiction. So, for example, Canadian law cannot be applied to Switzerland's law, and the United States law cannot be applied to Canada's law. And you could go on and on. You get the point. The same goes for the Ten Commandments. It is no different. Only the difference is that God's law covers both heaven and earth. So in other words, everything. So with the Sabbath being the seal of God, Satan needed a mark as well. And he doesn't get a seal because he doesn't rule over anything. The Lord has dominion over the whole earth. Satan had to be creative. He had to lie. So he creates a seal of his own. And that is what the mark of the beast is. Daniel 7.25 says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. He only thinks he does it. He doesn't actually do it, because the Lord's laws do not change. So we have learned that throughout history, the Catholic Church has tried to change those times and laws. It has not only taken Sabbath and turned it into Sunday, but it's also taken thou shall not bow down to any other gods before me and taken that completely out of the Ten Commandments so that they can bow down to their statues and a bunch of other things that is against the word of the Lord. And that is why it says in Revelation 13 that he will cause everybody to want to receive his seal in their right hand and in their foreheads so that without this seal, nobody can buy or sell except for him that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. But what does that actually mean? Does that mean we're going to have to get tattoos or things like that? I don't think so. And for those following the Sabbath, they wouldn't even think of getting those things because we cannot compromise our values for any reason, whether it means having to go hungry, having to lose our lives, having to leave our homes. Whatever it requires of us, we cannot compromise 
recognize our values and our beliefs. Daniel was not afraid to stand up for his. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And all of the other people in the Bible who had to stand up for their beliefs and the consequences be what they may. So the mark of the beast, if God's seal is Sabbath, then the mark of the beast is Sunday worship. So this proclamation that Satan is going to make is going to be about which day of worship to keep. So he's going to require people to keep Sunday holy. That means no buying or selling on that day. It means businesses will be closed. It means nothing. And that's exactly what we see going on today. You'll see it as hidden at first. It'll first come out as a family day, a day to spend with family and friends, not doing anything, something a little innocent. Then it'll get further. As more and more natural disasters happen, people are going to want to know why. And that's why hear people saying about climate change because the climate is changing all around us. And they'll think that the reason why these things are happening is because we're not keeping Sunday holy anymore. So they're like, okay, close all of the businesses for Sunday so that way these natural disasters will stop and we can go back to God. And when that doesn't work, they'll require people to stop doing anything on Sunday. And those people who do not keep Sunday holy, they'll blame those people for the disasters that are going on in the world. They'll be like, hey, it's because you're not doing this too that all of these problems are happening happening. Not realizing it's not because of that, it's because Jesus is soon to come to the earth. And because those small group of people decide not to keep Sunday holy, they'll then be like, since you're not going to do what you're told, you're going to go into prison, you're going to pay fines, then they're going to be so nasty and mean that they'll come after us and want to kill us. Just like they did back in the dark ages when persecution was rampant, when Christianity first started out. They'll come and kill us because they think that's the answer. If everybody who is dead doesn't keep those commandments, then the world will finally be at peace. Little do they know the mistake that they are making. And this is why we need to tell them about what is happening so that more and more people are not deceived by what is to come. I mean, you hear in the news all of the time, all of the disasters that are happening, and you hear the laws taking place about Sunday observance, about the climate change laws, about all of these little things, a day of rest for family. All of these things are taking place right now. Go online and do a Google search and it'll tell you all of these little things. It is happening. It's taking place. It's already on the laws. It hasn't been enforced yet, but it is there in the law. It almost took place back in the 1800s, but God was merciful and he allowed us more time. We are living on borrowed time. This is exactly why we need to make the most of each and every day that is allotted to us. This is why we must get the truth out there to tell the people of what is to coming to warn them. Not everybody in the Catholic Church knows these things. There are good people in the Catholic Church who are unaware of how wrong their religion is. This is why we need to tell every religion, every person out there the real truth so that they can be informed and then make the decision for themselves. We don't want to be in the last days people saying to us, you knew the truth and you didn't tell me? Why wouldn't you tell me? then the blood is also on our heads. We need to tell everybody so that way they can be like, if they heard the truth, they only have themselves to blame. Oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'll believe that when I see it. It says right in the Bible that there will be scoffers in the last day. I'm sure you have had people tell you, I've had people tell me that, oh, you've been saying for years that Jesus is coming. Yet, where is he? He hasn't come again. Yet, signs
signs all foretell that the moment is nearing. Just like in a pregnancy, signs get closer and closer. The contractions come closer and closer until, boom, the baby's here. Well, this is exactly what's happening. More and more, there are wars and rumors of wars. There are the signs of the Sunday law once again being enforced, of the Pope being in good graces and coming over and being all friendly with everybody, and all of the religions also being friendly with him, and all of these things. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. We need to ask ourselves a very serious question. What are we waiting for to get our lives in order? Because let me tell you, time is running out. We need to decide once and for all who we will choose to worship, because this, once again, is all that it comes down to. Are we going to serve God, or are we going to serve Satan? We cannot sit on the fence. If you're sitting on the fence, you're serving Satan. I'm sorry to say this, but it's the truth. You're either doing what you know is right, or you're doing what is wrong. There is no gray area in this instance. It's either black or white. You've got to choose what you want, (laughs) and your soul is on the line. So you have to be like, do I love the Lord enough to give up everything for him, or Or am I just going to do what I want to do because that's what I want to do? That's a serious question that we must all ask ourselves. Once you have decided that, then you have to proceed from there. The Lord is calling for all of us to give up everything, our whole hearts to Him. He loves us. He wants us to be with Him forever. And this is why He's given us this warning in the Bible, so that we can be changed. I want to read a few quotes now. This is from S.T. November 7th, 1900 paragraph 9 and 10. It says, the powers of this earth will unite with the powers from beneath to oppress God's people. In Revelation, John writes, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword, and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, and that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all both great and small, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. When satanic agencies shall unite with the professed Christian world in opposing God, these words of the prophet will be fulfilled. In blind zeal, the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their their parents, and cause them to be put to death, and ye shall be hated of all men for my namesake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Amen. That is a very powerful thing. We must endure to the end, whether it means our family and our friends give us up because of promises of wealth, because that is what's going to happen. Those family and friends of ours who don't believe like we do, they're going to deliver us up if they don't make the choice for Jesus. Other people will come to them, hey, do you know where your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, whatever the case might be, do you know where they are, where we can find them? If you tell us what we want to know, we'll give you riches, we'll give you honor, we'll do whatever you want, we'll save your life, we will save your children's life, we'll give you food, whatever the case
case may be. You get the idea. This is exactly what's going to happen. But we must endure to the end, and he that is faithful will receive the crown of life. And that is worth far more than whatever this world can offer us in things that will have no value whatsoever. In R.H. December 18, 1888, paragraph 6, it says, A time is coming when the law of God is in a special sense to be made void in our land. The rules of our nation will, by legislative enactments, enforce the Sunday law, and thus God's people be brought into great peril. When our nation in its legislative councils shall enact laws to bind the consciences of men in regard to their religious privileges, enforcing Sunday observance and bringing oppressive power to bear against those who keep the seventh day Sabbath, the law of God will, to all intents and purposes, be made void in our land, and national apostasy will be followed by national ruin. We see that those who are now keeping the commandments of God need to bestir themselves that they may obtain the special help which God alone can give them. They should work more earnestly to delay as long as possible the threatened calamity. If in our land of boasted freedom, a Protestant government should sacrifice every principle which enters into its constitution and propagate papal falsehood and delusion, well may we plead, it is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Some may think that because it has been revealed in prophecy that our nation shall restrict the consciences of men, it must surely come, and that if we make an effort to preserve our liberty, we shall be acting the part of unfaithful servants, and thus come under the condemnation of God. The decree enforcing the worship of this day is to go forth to all the world. In a limited degree, it has already gone forth. In several places, the civil power is speaking with the voice of a dragon, just as the heathen king spoke to the Hebrew captives. That's from St. May 6, 1897, paragraph 15. And in 1618, it says, As America, the land of religious liberty, shall unite with the papacy, enforcing the conscience and compelling men to honor the false Sabbath, the people of every country on the globe will be led to follow her example. So it won't just be America, it'll be the entire world. And we already see laws changing in America. We have seen the passing of LGBT, where it's okay to marry whoever you want to, whether man or woman. We have seen abortion laws being null and void, where it's okay to do that. Where years ago, you would go to prison if you had an abortion. Now you can do it. In fact, it's more likely that you'll be thrown into prison for speaking up against abortion and against LGBT than it is to go for it. And these quotes are very clear that the mark of the beast is the Sunday law and this is going to affect everyone and that time is soon coming upon us. This is why we must get ready now so that we can stand the trials to come. This law is coming into effect more and more and people are going to die. This is a very scary, solemn thought, but we don't need to be scared if we are following Jesus. There's no reason for us to fear because we know what is to come. We know that there is a better place for us. We know that Jesus is going to come and take us home and there will be no more death then. So we do not need to fear what is to come. We just need to be ready for it and we need to prepare our hearts for it. And that is the only way that we will be able to go through the end of times, whether it means our death imprisonment or hiding somewhere for our safety. Whatever the case may be, we'll be ready to meet our fate because we will know in whom we have believed and we have followed his commandments. People
people are laughing and mocking and telling all sorts of things. But soon, very soon, Satan is going to come pretending that he's Jesus walking on the earth and people are going to go there. And we need to know that this is not the real Jesus. We need to know that Sunday is not the Sabbath. We need to know all of these things and we need to warn others about it as well. So we need to stop joking and playing games and fooling around because this is very serious. We need to go and we need to change. If we are not doing this, what is the point of following the Lord? If we are not serious, it's just mocking the Lord. We have a duty to keep our minds and our hearts on the Lord because we love him. Don't do it because you're scared of what's to come. We need to do it because we love the Lord. And this is of utmost importance. It's not a joke. It's very serious. It's already on the books. And in some countries, they have even passed many Sunday laws, such as Germany. In other countries, you can Google it for yourselves and look it up to see all of the different countries that have already passed these miniature laws of businesses having to be closed on Sunday. America is preparing to pass these mini Sunday laws as well under the climate change, as I've said before. Go look it up, Google it, see for yourselves. Study to show thyself approved. We don't have time to disregard these things. Time is not on our side anymore. We need to do what is right. The time of trouble is soon to break upon us, and the decree will go forth that everyone who will not keep the first day of the week shall be put to death. Those who have not regarded the Sabbaths as they should, who have exalted their business above God's commandment, will trample upon the Sabbath and keep the first day of the week, because they have consulted their own convenience before the honor of God. They did not learn to bring themselves into harmony with the Sabbath, but sought to bring the Sabbath to meet their own convenience. With the preparation they have made, they are no more fitted to stand in the day of judgment than the greatest sinner. Their ideas are confused. They have tried to serve God and mammon. They receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Those who love God with all the heart and their neighbor as themselves will be the only ones who will stand the test of the decree. When Satan brings his power to bear upon half-hearted professors, he will sweep them over to his side. He will claim his right to do with them as he pleases. But of those who honor God, the Lord says, they shall be mine. In that day, when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them, as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. That's from St. June 2, 1890, paragraph 5. And with that solemn word of warning, I will leave you to think and research this all for yourself. There is so much that I have said here, I know. Go and read all of the verses that I gave you for yourself. Do your own study and you can see the signs all very clearly point that this is what is going on. That Jesus knew what he was doing and he gave us this word of warning for a reason. So we need to consider all this, pray, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to get our hearts and lives right and keep the Sabbath because it is very important. And we need to love God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves so that we can help them see the importance of this message as well. And this is why I do these podcasts so that hopefully somebody might click on it who doesn't know the truth and will hear it and want to follow the Lord and follow what it says in the Bible. And I want you all to share as well so that your family and friends know the truth as well. And you also look up the history about all of what I said. It's all the truth. The historians say the same thing about the Catholic Church. You can read for yourselves how it all came to be. I thought this song went really well with this topic. It's called Once to Every Man and Nation. Once to 
every man and nation comes the moment to decide in the strife of truth with falsehood for the good or evil side some great cause god's new messiah offering each the bloom or blight and the choice goes by forever twixt that darkness and that light then to side with truth is noble when we share her wretched crust ere her calls bring fame and profit and tis prosperous to be just then it is the brave man chooses while the coward stands aside till the multitude make virtue of the faith they had denied by the light of burning martyrs christ thy bleeding feet we track toiling up new calvaries ever with the cross that turns not back new occasions teach new duties time makes ancient good uncouth they must upward still and onward who would keep abreast the truth though the cause of evil prosper yet tis truth alone is strong though her portion be the scaffold and upon the throne be wrong yet that scaffold sways the future and behind the dim unknown standeth god within the shadow keeping watch above his own amen and god is watching over us and i am so thankful that he is aren't you we need to stand for the truth no matter what happens and just remember that the lord loves you and he wants you to be saved and remember what it says in matthew 5 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven so with all that being said let your light so shine that you are a star witness for the lord